in our uh, discussion of developing a balanced sensitivity. We saw that in order to avoid the extremes of insensitivity or oversensitivity, we need to work on uh, the factors of uh, how we pay attention and how we respond. Let me point out a, uh, a difference that uh, some people pointed out to me between the words respond and react. I don't know if you have two separate words in uh, Spanish, but obviously you do have two words. React is what a chemical does. Respond is what a human being does when they are not compulsively acting like a chemical because of habits. Right, I mean, what we find is that often we are reacting like a chemical. We don't even think. Yes. We are just acting automatically because of uh, deeply ingrained habits. Whereas, in fact, we don't need to act and behave in that way like a chemical we're human beings, we have the ability to discriminate between what's helpful and harmful, and therefore we would respond based on choice. So what we are aiming for here is to respond in an appropriate way, not just react in uh, old neurotic patterns. Now, some people, of course, object to this. And, uh, I mean, this is what you do in debate. You look and see, you know, well... What do you really mean by this? You know, can we find faults in this? They uh, would say that, uh, well, if you talk about responding in terms of discriminating beforehand and making a choice and so on, doesn't that mean that you're not acting naturally? That it's very artificial and controlled. And wouldn't it be better to just be natural? But often, when we look at our natural or spontaneous uh, ways of behaving. In fact, it's reacting in very neurotic ways. So just because something is spontaneous doesn't mean that it is helpful or appropriate or something that we would consider the best way of dealing with the situation. Well, we can use the example of the baby crying Spontaneously, what we might do is just smack the baby in order to make the baby shut up. Now, I don't think anybody would agree that this spontaneous reaction, because this really is a reaction, not a response, this spontaneous way of behaving of just smacking the baby and screaming at it uh, to shut up because we want to go to sleep would be the most sensitive, balanced way of dealing with the baby. And therefore, it's natural. So, hey, let's be natural. It's... So we have to analyze a little bit more deeply what does it mean for something to be spontaneous or for something to be natural. Actually, it's just what automatically comes up based on habit, based on familiarity. And so if we have a very deeply ingrained neurotic habits, then neurotic patterns come up. But if we train ourselves in a more beneficial way of acting and behaving, then eventually, spontaneously, naturally, these more healthy ways of dealing with uh, others and ourselves will come up. And so when we uh, use discriminating awareness to help guide our uh, response to things, that doesn't mean that this is in an artificial, intellectual type of way. 
if we just use a very simple example, you look over there, and there is an opening in the wall, and there's the wall. And so we discriminate between those two, and you walk through the door. You don't smack into the wall. Now, you wouldn't say that this is, you know, an artificial, intellectual action. Is it's it just, a, you know, of course, you discriminate between what is helpful, what would be harmful, what would be useful, what would be not useful. And we use discriminating awareness in order to be able to live in this world. Otherwise, uh, it would be very, very difficult. You would eat the plate rather than the food on the plate if you didn't discriminate. So, in our uh, sensitivity training, we are uh, working on being able to have the basis for being able to use our natural ability to discriminate between what's helpful and what's harmful. So, we saw that uh, what we need is a quiet mind and a caring heart. Let me use an example to uh, make it quite clear that it's not where warm heart is something very different from a caring heart. All right, I mean, I don't know what word you're going to find, but I don't think warm is the word here. It's like, for instance, you go into a place to have something to eat, and uh, there are many different types of food. Some are clean and appropriate to eat, and others are very dirty and, you know, greasy, and it's going to really make you sick. So, if you come in, and your mind isn't quiet, you're talking constantly, you know, with somebody, and your head is going, you know, with all sorts of thoughts, you don't even pay attention to what you take, to what you put on your plate. You get sick. Now, if we don't have the caring heart or the caring attitude... Maybe attitude is, uh, I mean, heart mm-hmm. tends to make you think in terms of warm. Mm-hmm. You don't have the caring attitude. You don't care what you eat. You know, you, you, I don't care. I don't take myself seriously. I don't care if I get sick or not. And so you're not careful. Entonces, and you just take anything. It's not taking yourself seriously. Not taking seriously the fact that your actions will have consequences taking seriously the fact that our actions will have consequences, taking seriously that situation is the way it is. Don't matter like somebody is upset or somebody is busy. Do you see how that, this caring attitude, is the basis for having a warm heart? To just have a warm heart, but you you don't care what the consequences of your behavior on others. Mm. It's very self-centered, actually. One thinks that actually all the warm heart is actually directed at others, but it has nothing to do with others. It's basically very self-centered, self-enclosed, in a authentic and balanced heart. See, this is uh, why I'm calling these two the quiet mind and the caring attitude, I think probably is better than caring heart, are the basis for then developing the more positive qualities. Without that basis, it's very difficult to uh, proceed in gaining balanced sensitivity. But you see how caring also relates to the word careful? Yes. Okay, and you see how it's directed, this caring attitude toward others and also toward ourselves. And we need to have a balance of those two. 
the one is just one without the other is again not sufficient. Okay? We were working with uh, the first of the two legs that we need to stand on, which is quiet or silent mind, which, as uh, we've seen from our experience, is not so easy to <laughs> develop. And uh, it requires all the methods of concentration, of gaining concentration, that are taught in Buddhism and other uh, disciplines. Yeah. The Buddhist uh, teachings, by the way, on uh, concentration are not exclusively Buddhist. Uh, you have them in uh, other Indian traditions as well. So uh, we need what's usually translated as mindfulness, which is uh, actually a mental glue. I don't think any of the words that are used in the Western languages are adequate here. Uh, mental glue, I think, is the closest, although that's not a very nice expression. This is, this is the factor that keeps you your attention. Attention is something else. Mm -hmm. Keeps your attention glued to something. It's it's the mental factor with which you hold on and you don't let go. Right? You don't let go. So we need that in terms of holding on to our focus on the other person when we're with them and. Uh, we're talking to them, or they're talking to us. All right, we have to hold on. We need the mental glue to the caring attitude as well. Why? You know, so that we don't get bored or uh, disinterested in what's going on, which often happens, doesn't it, when we're with somebody? So, with that mental glue is an alertness to notice when we've lost, when that glue has become loose, and, you know, our mind is wandering about something else or some inappropriate emotion is coming up and so on. When we're holding on with a mental glue, then automatically there's a part of the mind that is alert to, uh, introspectively alert to any time when that glue is becoming too loose or is too tight. And then corrects the uh, attention, corrects the, the, the glue. So if our mind is wandering off and, you know, we start to uh, tell stories in our head or play movies in our head or inappropriate emotions are coming up and so on, then we need to apply the methods that we learned to quiet the mind and reestablish the mental glue in its proper balanced way by using the methods that we learned, like letting go, riding on water, and so on. Y esto lo hacemos. The swell on the ocean, the three cuando, methods. Cuando. Huh? I mean, that's what we're doing when we're having a conversation with somebody, isn't it? I mean, that's what we need to do if our mind wanders away, or we get bored, or whatever. We need to somehow quiet the mind again and reestablish that mental glue on the other person. And remember, the faults of the mental glue can be in either direction. Either it's too loose or it's too tight. You know, this is again falling into our two categories of insensitive or over-sensitive. Uh, when it's too tight, then you're too intense with the other person. You know, you're, you know, you're staring at them 
And just on top of them, almost, you know, these type of people that when you talk to them are like three inches away from your face, so you can't even focus, and staring at you and hanging on every word. That's the mental glue is much too tight. This is too intense. This is the over-emotional type, the over, the hypersensitive type. So one needs to adjust the mental glue, not too loose, not too tight. Okay. And uh, also, what one needs to uh, note is that this introspective alertness is not really totally separate from the mental glue, if you conceive of it as a separate, a really quite isolated, separate type of factor, then what happens is that your attention is divided. Like uh, somebody was mentioning yesterday, so you know, only part of your attention is on the other person, you know, the other part of your attention is on what's going on in my head. And uh, it can go to the extreme of becoming very paranoid. You know, paranoid that, you know, I'm going to lose my attention, or paranoid that I'm going to start to act in an uh, inappropriate way, or get emotionally upset, and so on. That's not very balanced either. As His Holiness the Dalai Lama always explains, the main thing is the mental glue. If you are maintaining the mental glue, then automatically, I mean, you can't maintain the mental glue without there being an alertness to how is that mental glue. So it's part of the mental glue. It's part of the holding on. So that's where you put the main focus in an interaction is on the other person. If you're really doing that and, you know, trying to hold on to the other person, then automatically you'll notice when you lose it. And we can see then that the caring attitude is essential here because uh, it's the caring attitude together with the mental glue that causes us to not just, you know, be intensely focused on the other person, but to care that whether our mind wanders, to care whether we start to get nervous and so on, to care whether or not we are too intense and so on. So this is why... Well, just say that. So this is why... Uh, Shantideva, the great Indian uh, Buddhist master who wrote Engaging in the Bodhisattva Behavior, uh, Bodhisattva Charyavatara, in his discussion of ethical self-discipline. Here we're talking about discipline as the foundation for concentration. He uh, divides this into two chapters. The first chapter, people usually translate uh, the name of it as Conscientiousness, which is actually this mental factor that I'm talking about. It's the caring attitude. You have to have the caring attitude, you know, to care that you don't come under the influence of anger and other disturbing emotions and so on. And then his second chapter is on this mindfulness, this mental glue and alertness. So this is where, you know, all of my discussion is coming from. Hmm. Okay. Now let me exercise some self-control to stop talking so much. And let's go back to our practices. <laughs> okay. So we learned uh, three methods for uh, quieting the mind. The letting go, running on water, and the swell on the ocean. We worked with the first phase of the uh, training, which is working with pictures and thoughts of others. 
And so before we go on to the next phase of this uh, exercise, why don't we just do a, a brief review, a reviewing exercise of uh, what we've done so far. Because yeah. uh, with this training, it's very important. It's like any training. You do an athletic training, you have to repeat. You have to train. That's what training means, doesn't it? To repeat, do it over and over again so that you familiarize yourself with it. So uh, let's do it again. And so uh, what I would uh, suggest is that you take out the three photos that you were using yesterday, the acquaintance, the uh, friend, and the one that you don't like, and let's focus on one at a time. Yeah, we'll work with them one at a time in sequence to see if we can maintain the uh, quiet mind with uh, all three. Okay? So, let us start once more with quieting down. And then let us look at the photograph of the mere acquaintance. Able to the quiet mind. Using any of the three methods that are appropriate.
let go. And now fix your mental glue on the picture of the friend. And if the mental glue becomes too strong or too weak, then apply the appropriate method to quiet the mind.
then lastly turn the mental glue to the person that uh, we don't like. pause for a moment actually before we do that just to let the experience settle Okay, now turn to the person that we don't like and fix the mental glue and if uh, it's too tight or too loose, apply the appropriate of the three methods. Notice that each of the three methods only requires a second or two to apply. Right, we just let go of the thought and maintain the breathe it out and continue with the mental glue. Or the writing on water, the first syllable, it's finished. Or go back with the mental glue. And the wave on the ocean as well. It's just one second of feeling like that, and we go back to the mental glue.
Then we let the experience settle, putting down the photos. And then we focus on the breath. Any questions or comments on this before we go on? I have a question about attention and mindfulness or mental glue. Uh, can you have attention, uh, mental glue without attention? Because I couldn't separate it. I couldn't uh, see the difference because I see that when I have attention, my the mental glue is there. So, like if I have attention, uh, my mind is with the object. So I don't understand the difference with between mindfulness and attention. Well, let's try to be clear here about the uh, terminology. We have four terms here. Right. There is this mindfulness or mental glue. There's introspective alertness. There's the attention. And there's the concentration. Yeah, the four good. different mental factors. Okay. The attention is what is uh, bringing you to a to focus on a specific object. The mental glue or mindfulness prevents you from losing it. The concentration is the factor of staying there. And the uh, uh, introspective alertness 
is like the bell that would go off in case the, something is wrong with the mental glue, which would then send a signal to the attention. To, I, mean, I mean, it's the attention that you correct. I mean, the, I mean, it's the attention that brings actually the, you back to the object. So, as His Holiness explains, concentration and this mindfulness, this mental glue, are actually talking about the same thing from two different points of view. Right? The mental glue is the mental grip, it's the holding on, and the concentration is the staying, mental placement, mental staying, the mental abiding, the mental remaining. So, holding on and remaining are referring to the same thing, but from two different points of view. So, in working to uh, gain single-mindedness, or quiet mind, or however we want to formulate it, His Holiness always says, you put the main emphasis on holding on, not on the concentration itself, not on the staying there. That's a, I mean, it's a subtle difference, but it's a very, very important and profound difference in terms of how we approach a situation. Let's say you're talking to somebody, and to try to put your effort into staying there, staying with the person, it's, uh, it's a bit vague, isn't it? You know, how to, how to stay there. But if you put your attention on holding on and then watch out for you know holding on too loosely or too tightly then that's much more uh, what should we say manageable I mean that you can actually work with right so this guideline instruction pertains both to self-discipline ethical self-discipline as well as to concentration right just think about it you are on a diet and you walk along the street past the cake shop now, how do you deal with that situation? You know, because, you know, you have this urge to go in and buy a nice chocolate cake or whatever. And but there's a very big difference between, you know, well, I'm just staying with the diet and, and focusing on staying with the diet. The difference between that and holding on. You know, I'm going to hold on to this diet. And you put your effort into holding on to it, holding yourself back. That's much, much stronger, much more effective than just, okay, I'm going to keep my diet. You see the difference? So, you know, when you're with somebody and they're talking and so on, and you feel like doing something else, you're going away. What you put your emphasis on is holding on. You hold on to them. Hold on with your attention rather than just, okay, I'm going to stay here. So it's stronger, it's much more act. If we put our emphasis on this holding on, it's much more uh, active. I mean, these mental factors, I mean, this comes later in the training, they're all mental activities. We shouldn't think of it as just some sort of thing like mindfulness, that you, know, you just sort of apply a thing. I mean, each of these factors is a mental activity. So it's holding on. If you're talking about activities, then you can work with them, you can train in them.
Okay. Would you like the microphone? So she uh, she says that she has the feeling that this mental glue is something that is uh, happening on a, uh, on a continuous basis. basis. The, the oh yes, it's a mental factor that is accompanies every moment of our, of our cognition or perception. It's how we hold on. Whether you know you're going to stay with it or you're going to lose it. Are you going to continue looking at you, or are you going to turn your head and look at somebody else? It's what it? holds, what what prevents you from losing your attention or focus on one object. So, and it varies in strength all the time. So, this comes later in the training, where we learn about all these various mental factors and how to work with them and how to adjust them. So, although we're just learning here the very basis uh, aspect of the training, we're getting little peaks and hints at the breadth of what we need to train in in order to really develop this balanced sensitivity. And it's dealing with so many different aspects of Dharma. I mean, all the Dharma fits together. <laughs>